0: All right, I'm only doing that once a year, so let's turn to Psalm 139, and I'll preach you a quick sermon. Psalm chapter 139, verse 23 says, "'Search me, God, search me, God, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me, and lead me, lead me, God, lead me.'" So here's the thing, to be a believer is to ask for feedback is to ask, how can I grow? What am I seeing that I'm not seeing? If you're married, the Lord's given you the Holy Spirit and your spouse. (laughs) The Holy Spirit will tell you how you can change, and you best believe your spouse will too. So when you look at this verse, it says, search me. This, This monthly journey that we've been on, this 30 days of detoxing our lives from toxicity, has really been a journey of searching our hearts, because you're either the victim of the leech, or you are a leech, or both. You're a victim of the tank that runs over other people and never lets them have their way or their opinion, or you're a victim of one, or you are one, or you're both. You know, week three last week was the JJ. You're either the victim of someone's jealousy and judgment, judgment, or you are actually jealous and judgmental, or both. There's a very high likelihood that you're both. Can I get an amen? And I think that's what's made this, this series special is that people have gotten have been able to forgive other people as they have been able to see themselves in these roles. That was kind of like my secret. It's like God saying, hey, don't come and ask me for forgiveness if you're holding unforgiveness against your brother. And it's not that God's not faithful and just to forgive you, but to become like him is to forgive somebody who's hurt you. Matter of fact, when Jesus was dying on the cross, he looked at him and said, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Isn't it funny how you'll blame people for treating you a way that you've treated other people? Isn't it kind of funny how like, really what they did is they were wounded and they bled on you, but you bleed on a lot of people too. And so what I hope you saw this series is that there's no such thing as a hero and a villain. Satan and his minions are villains. God is the hero, and we're just sons and daughters learning how to become more like our heavenly father. That's, and so I hope that through this series, you didn't attribute blame to anybody, but you said, God, what are you trying to say to me? So this week is the last and final, and it's the straight jacket. Now, the straitjacket is a certain kind of person, and I wanna read you a little bit of a description that I have for the straight jacket. These people, you will immediately know who it is. The straitjacket is someone who wants to control everything and everyone around them. They want to be in charge of what you do, what you say, and what you even think. You know that person I'm talking about? They freak out when you disagree with them. (gasps) Oh no, there's disagreement. And they won't stop trying to convince you that they are right and you should do what they say. In a relationship, this person will give you no breathing room and will constantly nag you until you are in complete alignment with them. Are you picking up on the straight jacket? They need you to be, oh, come on, don't say their name now. So I had to do the intro like I did. Keep this a safe place. You know, you've seen Britney Spears in the news and what she was pleading for is control over her own life because people had controlled every aspect of her life you know it was very clear that people were pushing their boundaries and oftentimes when you give someone a little control thinking that that's going to make their control go away you actually feed the beast and they want more and so you cannot solve control with control you cannot give them what they want because when you come into alignment with them one time, you'll have to come into alignment again and again and again. And all you're doing is proving to them that you'll sacrifice your opinion or worse, you'll sacrifice what's right for their opinion. And you'll begin to build this relationship of toxicity with the straight jacket. Guess what? I don't need all of you to be in agreement with me. You can have unity You can have intimacy without agreement. Oh, now I know you all don't believe that because we've been the most disagreeable and and, uh, been in disunity more than ever before in human history. But I'm here to tell you that sometimes you don't have true intimacy until you've had a true disagreement. I've been saying this this whole series. You know, those couples that come to me, we're getting married and I'm like, "Well, well, how do you fight? And they're like, we never fight. And I'm like, you've never been intimate because there's something about the freedom to say, I think this and I feel this, and someone else has the freedom to say, I think this and I feel this, and then you to be able to unify over that, and then I'm gonna bring a word out that you have not heard in a long time. Are you ready for this? You're gonna shudder. Compromise. What? Compromise. What would happen if you honored the way that they saw things? And so we gotta look at this I want to take you to our main text. I'm going to give you some very profound revelation from a common story that is most frequently misrepresented in scripture. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1 through 6. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision Fear not, Abraham. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. So, what did God show up and tell him first and foremost? Don't be afraid. He melted his fears. But Abram said, oh, Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is, it's Eliza from Damascus. And Abram said, behold, you have given me no offspring, God. And a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and said, this shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir and he brought him outside and said look towards heaven and behold the stars if you are able to number them then he said to him so shall your offspring be and he believed the lord and he counted it to him as righteousness let me set the stage for you this man named abraham he's now advanced in age receives a word for from the lord This word was impossible. It was not rational. It was not logical. As a matter of fact, it was not even possible. It wasn't possible scientifically. There is no way that Abraham could have had a biological son that would be the heir that would bring the promise to pass that God gave him. But I'm here to tell you, V1 Church, that you know it's God when it's not possible by your means. You know it's God when your bank account can't fund it. You know it's God when your existence friendships and relationships are not enough to open those doors. You only know it's God when you know it's outside of your ability to fulfill it. That is the fundamental element. Now, many of you have been given visions from God. You have been given a dream from God. You didn't ask for it. I didn't ask for the gift to preach. God gave it to me. I have to steward it and be faithful to it. I don't know why he gave me this gift. It's not my preference. It's not how I would spend my time, but he gave me this gift. So I have to believe that he will provision the gift. He will take me through a process and then I will receive the promise. Because on the other end of a process is a product, okay? But see when God promises you something, there's the promise, the process and the product. He gives the promise first everybody wants the product first give me the check then I'll go give me the open door then I'll walk through it that's not how the kingdom of heaven works it's upside down he gives you the promise he gives you a vision of the product and then he gives you a process you don't want to go through to get you there this is the basics am I right this is the basics So he gives a promise to Abram, I will make your name great. I will make your descendants more than you could number like the stars. I've given you the vision, the promise. There's a process. But here's what's crazy. He said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Then he, then he, he responds back and he tells God his fears. But my fear, God, is that's impossible. Who are you telling your fears to? Because if you tell your fears to him, it becomes prayer and worship. If you tell your fears to them, it'll become anxiety. Who are you telling your fear to? Matter of fact, you always reveal who you're talking to with how you talk about it. (laughs) It's getting quiet again. Because when you talk to God about your fear, he will always respond with God-level thinking. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher. So I always know who you're bringing your fear to by how you talk about what you're afraid of. Because look what he said. But Abram said, oh Lord, how is this gonna happen? Blah, blah, blah. And then he pours his heart out. Behold, you've given me no offspring. And then watch this. The Lord says this. And the lord came to him this man shall not be your heir in other words abraham you're logical but but i'm trying to bring you past logic into the supernatural And and he says, your very own son will be your heir. In other words, Abraham was thinking on this level, natural. God says, no, 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 you're you're thinking too low. I got to bring you up to a higher height. I got to bring you into another dimension. I'm actually going to do the impossible. See, you'll always have to make the choice to whether you exchange the mundane for the miraculous or the miraculous for the mundane. Do I just want to be normal or do I want to be what God called me to be? But here's the thing, this is the thing. Put up verse six, I wanna show you something. Where are my scholars at? Verse six, and Abram said, behold, you have given me no offspring, blah, blah, blah. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Okay, put up verse six. Are you ready? Abraham, all by himself, with no outside human voices, with no mama, no daddy, no friend, no cousin, no auntie, nobody informing his opinion. Abraham, all by himself, believed. Believed. Abraham's default mode was trusting and believing God, but he had a straitjacket in his life. Sometimes your problem comes in the form of a person. <laughs> Sometimes your problem comes in the form of a person. This is chapter 15. Let's go to chapter 16. So turn your Bibles. I remember in the 90s, I used to say this and I'd hear the crinkle of the pages. See, you didn't hear it. Genesis chapter 16. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, the straitjacket, the control freak, the one bound up with fear, the one with natural stinking thinking, the one that doesn't go to God's presence to get an answer goes to a person to get an answer. Sarah, Sarah, the straitjacket. Are you guys with me? I'm trying to make it relevant to you. Sarah, the person who talks to their friends more they talk to, about God. Sarah, Sarah, who had born no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. You know what Hagar represents, right? Plan B. (laughs) I mean, God told Abraham, I am going to give you a biological son. Who's Abraham married to? Sarah. So you would think that if the two shall become one, isn't this the word? That if God said it to Abraham, he also said it to? Okay, so if you're married, understand the promises God told you is for both of you. That's a freebie. So, huh? And the more impossible it seems, the more faith you're gonna need to step into it. If it's impossible, that just makes the story better. Come on now. If you can't see your husband stepping into it, that just makes the story better. Come on now, that's the plot twist, that's the reveal. I mean, if you can't see your wife stepping into it, that just makes the story better. That's a whole nother freebie. But Sarah, verse two, said to Abram, behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go to my servant. It may be so that she shall obtain children by your heir. Okay, watch. I need the team to go back to chapter 15. Okay, watch this. Go back to chapter 15. So chapter 15, Abraham is meeting with God and look at the words you see. Go back one more. Look at the words you see. I just wanna show you. Next. Yeah, there it is. What's this? Behold. Behold. And then what does God say? And behold the word of the Lord. So watch Sarah, Abraham, and God all use the word behold. Why? Everybody has a vision. There's no lack of vision. Everybody has a vision. Fear is a perverted vision. Fear is you envisioning yourself failing, envisioning yourself dying. It's still a vision, though. People say, oh, we have no vision. Oh, you have a vision. It's just the wrong one. You have a demonic vision. You have a satanic vision. You have a carnal vision. You have a sinful vision. I mean, before you've ever cheated on somebody, you envisioned yourself doing it, and your vision became reality. That's why Jesus said, if you've done it in your mind, you did it because he understood. Everybody has a vision so so one says behold i have no kids and then says god says "No, no, no no you behold i'm going to give you one supernaturally then sarah shows up and says behold we have no kids who are you listening to who are you allowing to disciple you let me give you a freebie for two weeks from now when we start our discipleship series you're all disciples who are you learning from oh that's yeah i can't wait for that one Behold. Now let's go back to chapter 16. Go to my servant. And she's basically saying, sleep with the Egyptian woman who's younger, who can give you a kid the natural way. Now Hagar represents compromise, ungodly compromise. So basically what she's saying is this thing can only be done in the natural if you do it like this. In other words, God called me to move to this region, but I can't afford to live there, so I'll stay here. That's Hagar. God told me to pursue this vision for my life, but I don't think that I can do it because I'm not that talented, so I'll just settle for a job I hate. That's Hagar. Hagar is symbolic of compromising to your own vision, this perverted, distorted vision. And then it says in verse four, he went to Hagar, so he came into agreement with her, his wife, Sarah, And her vision, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. She didn't even like the plan that she was controlling. Isn't that just like a control freak that they don't even like the outcome that they produced? Everybody hates the boss who controls everybody, and the boss makes a self-fulfilling prophecy because the boss treated everyone like they hated them. And then when they manifested that vision, they said, wow, I guess these people are not loving. Is it that I'm not loving or you prophesied me hating you for a long time? You're gonna fail me. You're gonna leave me. You're gonna, you talk like that long enough and that person will fulfill that vision because your mouth and your words have what? Life and death, power, power. And so all of a sudden, Hagar looks with this woman with contempt. Now there's a little fact in there that you may have missed and we're almost done. 10 years so God spoke this promise 10 years past, but because, because Sarah selected Hagar and went into the and went into this mode of control, they lost 10 years. How many of you have ever felt delayed because you tried to control a situation? Have you ever felt like, man, God, I think that delay was on me. You could have done it that moment, but I took the long way around because I tried to control. I got three points for you. Point number one is this. Impatience rushes God's promises and delays the process. Impatience. What impatience will do is it will rush God's promises and delay the process. Impatience impatience. Romans chapter eight, verse 25. This is our memory verse. I was in the kids ministry before I got up here and I was ministering to your kids. And by the way, two kids told me that that, that their favorite place is V1 Kids. And I almost cried. They said, this is my favorite place. And he said, you get more kid tickets. (laughs) Here's our memory verse today, church. Romans chapter eight, verse 25. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it Patiently, For if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Let's say that together. We wait for it patiently. We wait for it. We wait for it patiently. If we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. That's medicine for your soul. Why? Because you say, God you said it i believe it that settles it and i'm going to wait for it patiently why because it's out of my hands which leads me to number two in order to take matters into your hands you have to take them out of god's hands in order to take matters into your own hands you must take them out of god's hands I'm now see, I told you it was going to get real quiet because we feel But Pastor Mike, you don't understand. What's the difference between control and leadership? Want me to tell you your motive? The difference between control and leadership is your motive. If you're motivated by fear, you will control. If you're motivated by the love of the father, you'll lead. See, When I used to be a high school teacher, you'd come into my classroom. Every kid would be quiet. Every kid would be focused and learning. There were no such thing as a bad kid in my class. Teachers would come to me and they'd look into my classroom and they'd say, I can't believe you got them to act that way. And I say, well, guess what the difference is? Me and you. (laughs) But see, one teacher, their motive was Fear. I'm afraid these kids are going to go crazy, and they would discipline out of fear, which turns into anger, and anger turns into abuse. And those kids are sitting still, but they don't respect you. They're actually afraid of the consequences. They're not there to learn. But then they would come into my class, and I said, "You don't understand. I care about you." And I said, "Matter of fact, I probably shouldn't be saying this, but I'm a man of God, and I love you with the love of your Creator." And people, there were kids in my room that would cry and say, "The first time I ever felt love," and but. The the love produced the discipline. And I'm only saying that because the motive is what determines it. Two classes are completely silent, one group sitting in fear and the other one diligently saying, I'm loved in this environment. So you guys see it? So the difference is when you take things out of God's hands and place them in your own hands, you've, it's like, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Proverbs chapter 25, verse 26 says, like a muddied spring or a polluted fountain is a righteous man or woman who gives way before the wicked. Abraham all by himself was fine, but Abraham with Sarah's influence compromises God's dream. I wonder what pastor... Cause you to behold a vision that God didn't give you. I wonder what, what friend, who spoke to you and talked you out of what God had convinced you of? Who spoke to you and convinced you out of the, the grandeur of your dream? I know it's crazy when I say we're going to Nassau Coliseum, but I've got to keep the vision so big, I can't get any credit for it. I've got to keep it so big, everybody will know Mike Signorelli can't do it. I mean, that's the problem with most visions, is that if you fulfill it, you get the credit because you were always able to do it but to be in the kingdom of heaven is to have a vision so crazy you'll know abraham was just a man but god was the king of all the universe and there's something that's stirring inside of you right now that's giving you permission to dream a big a big dream a dream bigger than you but a straitjacket will constrict you because they're control and they'll tell you don't They'll tell you you can't do it. They'll tell you, I I got here and some straight jacket New York preachers, control freaks anonymous, I should start a group for them. I should start a life group, connect group at V1 for the pastors of this region. And they said, what's your vision? And I would tell them the vision and they'd say, you'll never get people to load in, load out. You'll never get them to wake up early. New Yorkers don't do that. And I said, if we give them a reason to do it, they'll do it. I said, if we show them resurrection power and the dead coming back to life, come now but they had their straight jacket on and they said oh your church will never grow the average weekly attendance is 30 people well guess what four campuses later and a national church with a global online god is just beginning in this house i talked to a man after first service who said pastor mike i remember going to v1 church in the movie theater five years ago almost and there were only 10 people in the theater Some of you remember that. But here's the thing. We're just getting started. We're just getting started. But why do I say that? Because when you take it out of God's hands and you place it in your hands. It becomes doable with your hands. I need God to do something through my life that my daughters, they say, I lived with him. I watched him pray. I watched him fast, but what God did was far beyond what my dad could ever pull off. I knew his limitations, and where he was limited, God's strength began. And so if you're here, don't listen to Sarah. Sarah will talk you out of the miracle, and you'll take a 10-year delay, a 10 your journey because God spoke it, but you got talked out of it by a Sarah. Last one, number three, would you stand to your feet with me? Hagar, don't trade the supernatural for the super normal. Don't trade it. Don't give it up. This time is different. Every time you slept with your wife, Abram, you did not have a kid. Science says it's impossible, but Abram, I'm God and I'm telling you through me, all things are possible. Go, go back again. This time is different. See, and this is the message you got to get inside of you because a straitjacket, this is my third point. The root of all control is fear. The root of all control is Fear. If your parents controlled you, it's because they were afraid that you were going to make the wrong choice. But the Bible doesn't say fear your children's choice. The Bible actually says when you sow the seed, when you raise them up in righteousness, when they're old, they will not. It doesn't say they might not depart. It says what? it will not and so are you talking like God do you sound like the word or do you sound like the world do you sound like the word or you do? who's discipling you because if you're controlling Perry you're not trusting the one that told you that they will not depart if you raise him up in righteousness the root of all control the straitjacket is fear I want to give you a secret can I tell you guys a secret When someone's wearing a straitjacket, you cannot loose yourself from a straitjacket. Someone else has to loose you. Someone else has to let you out of that straitjacket. When you're caught up in control, when you're caught up in this, this, this feeling, somebody, and I'm here to tell you it's your heavenly Father wants to come and release you. When you're when you're control, oh, the finances, I'm so afraid of my finances, I'm so afraid. Why? Because of what happens to you before affects how you do things in the present that affects your future. So if you want to change your future, you have to reinterpret your past. David said in all my years, I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. He looked back at his past and he said, yeah, there were some times where we were hungry. There are some times where I didn't know how it was gonna work out. But now that I look back, I'm gonna tell a different story. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Some of you are afraid of something that's never happened and never will. I know you're getting a revelation right now. You're afraid of something that never happened and never will. And so you've got to tell another story. You have to look back and say, I made it this far. I'm going to make it all the way now. I'm not going to just stop here and take a 10-year delay because I choose Hagar over choosing Sarah, the promise, the promise, the promise. Don't be afraid that you don't have enough. Don't be afraid you won't reach your potential. Don't be afraid that you'll waste your years. Don't be afraid of success. Don't be afraid to fail. When you start to control, that is false power. It's fear when you start to control. But when you say, God, I didn't ask to be born. I didn't ask to be born to the family I was born to, in the region I was born to. But you can look at it as an accident a divine cosmic conspiracy to to laugh at your life as a joke or you can look at it as a master designer who said before you were even in your mother's womb, I knew you. My plans for you are good and not for evil, to prosper you. you get, Either it's all an accident, or it's all been God's design. And I want God to raise up some people out of straitjackets today and say I don't have to control because I don't have to fear anymore. I am free from fear. I am free from fear. Here's the thing about fear. As we close, the thing about fear you need to understand is fear leads to control. Control leads to witchcraft. What is witchcraft? What is it? What is witchcraft? It is domination, manipulation, and control. That's witchcraft. Yeah, they all have different spell books. Yeah, they all, but listen, it's manipulation, domination and control. But what's the ruling spirit behind witchcraft? Control. And what's behind control? It's always fear. Why did Saul seek Samuel through a soothsayer and perform witchcraft? Fear. Who's getting a revelation right now? He was afraid. I don't know how to lead the nation of Israel. I I need Samuel. Somebody summon up Samuel's voice illegally, and I'm going to move into the area. But guess what? Saul was operating in fear. Fear drove him to control, and then control led him into witchcraft, and witchcraft took him out. What led you to the psychic medium? Fear. Don't you see it? You came to them, I'm afraid of my future, instead of consulting the one who already planned your future. Ah, fear. And so everybody's fighting witchcraft, but I wanna fight fear. Because when you defeat fear, witchcraft bends its knees. It says, I don't need a psychic medium. I'm going to the very one who planned my entire life. I'm not taking a 10-year journey with Hagar. I'm going all the way with Sarah. I don't have to wear a straitjacket. I'm in my right mind because I've got the mind of Christ. I'm no longer a slave. I'm not a slave. Come on. Everybody, from the front to the back and watching online, let's surrender now in this moment. Come on, let him break it off of you. No longer a slave to fear. Come on. This is it. This is your moment of freedom. Come on, there are no toxic people at V1 Church. Free people free people, sons, daughters. Come on, get that vision. Get that vision from heaven. Come on, pour out your heart.